it's all about me feeling good with me. And the more that I, I just planted my foot in that again and again and again and again, I started feeling stronger from within. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously. And so dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. My guest today is Jocelyn Bellows. Jocelyn is an author, podcast host, speaker, and break-up-to-wake-up coach. She believes in a world where men and women can break up with their old ways of being, stories that are no longer serving, breaking energetic ties with people and ideas, to wake up to a being of joy and light and crafting a life on your own terms, growing and expanding into the people we were always meant to be. Jocelyn recently launched her first book, of which I am a co-author, entitled Breakdown to Wake Up, Journey Beyond the Now. It is a gathering of 16 authors from around the globe, sharing personal journeys of the depths of personal pain, addiction, loneliness, loss, and confusion. Jocelyn Bellows, welcome to being. Jocelyn Bellows, welcome to being. Thank you for being here. Oh, Patrick, thank you so much. It's so lovely to see your face on camera and right. hear your voice. It's It's been only a few weeks, but I feel like it's been forever. I know, right? So much is going on. Like time is just moving. Um, so Jocelyn and I met only a few months ago when um, 
mutual friend Don Bates reach out to me, uh, who's a publisher and an author, to be part of an experience, to be part of a book that Jocelyn was spearheading um, about transformation. And I was just like, as soon as I heard about it, I was a hell yes, right out of the gate. I didn't know anything about Jocelyn or about the project, but it was an opportunity to tell my story, uh, which I'd been wanting to do for some time. And so when this opportunity came along, I was immediately in. And that um, culminated in deep connection and conversations with Jocelyn and Don about the book, which is called Breakdown to Wake Up. It is now available. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, Jocelyn, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be part of this project. So grateful and so happy for you. Congratulations on the book being launched. How do you feel? It has, and it still continues to be surreal. Right. <laughs> it I, I can't even, I, I don't know that I have words sometimes because, right. you know, the book, when, when the book kind of came together and it was October 20th, when we had the first round manuscript pretty much tied up, right? We had it on a pretty little bow. We had all the, all the chapters in. And a few days later, um, when Don messaged me and said, Hey, the manuscript is done and we're sending it over to the typesetter, which was like the next stage to production. I I just remember pinching myself and saying right. like just exuberance. And then, and then there was like this quietness because it took another about a month before the book went to publication. And then, you know, pre-published date and published date, it just didn't feel real. Mm. Then the book showed up in my hands and holding it. I, I remember when I when they arrived, when the book arrived, um, I sat in my the corner of my living room and I cried. Wow. I couldn't I didn't want it was like a moment for me to say this like it's real. It's real. It's real, all right. It happened. Wow. What a feeling. What an accomplishment. I'm so proud of you and for facilitating this journey that will be so healing for countless people. And uh, that was a big reason why I was attracted to it because I know the power of people like you and myself and all the other authors involved who have the courage to tell their story, which is painful because like we're talking about full breakdowns of our lives, you know, and rebuilding, which um, most people don't want to talk about <laughs> their darkness and their shit. So I honor and applaud you for spearheading this book. Really, really. Can we jump right into that though? Cause we were just talking about it before we went live. Yeah, we go for it. Get into like what you, what I talked about, what you talked about, the tie, what happened this morning. And, and yeah. actually I'm going to pause for a moment because we were, as we were getting ready to go, go live, you and I were just talking about a mutual friend of ours, Johanna Conant, who I know yeah. we've had on the show as well. That's right. And Johanna and I, Johanna lives here in Colorado. I'm in Colorado as well. So we live about 30 minutes apart. And uh, just a side note, but of course, this is one of those little ties that binds. The night that I received the message from Dawn, the publisher, that the book, the full manuscript was ready for the type center, I was literally sitting outside in my car outside a restaurant. This is this is while we still were allowed in restaurants. I think we're back in restaurants again. I don't know. Wherever the world <laughs> we're in Corona, um, I was actually meeting Johanna for dinner that night. Wow. So I got awesome. the message that the book was ready for public, you know, ready for the next stage. And I was meeting with Johanna with this mutual contact of ours. So small Amazing. world. Yeah. The book though, and the chapter that I chose to write about 
I actually wrote about the dis- dissolvement of my marriage and not mm. so much that, you know, what happened within the, the construct of the marriage, I really focused on taking ownership mm-hmm. of how I didn't show up for totally. myself inside of that relationship. And, and, you know, I know, and for you and while yours, you have a couple of the components that you spoke about, but your, your story and my story were kind of really interesting because I felt that they really melded totally. in ways. And just this morning, getting ready to come on the show, I received a phone call from my former partner, my former spouse, because oddly enough, he heard a commercial on the radio for the book. <laughs> and that sprouted for him. He really got triggered by that. So it caused a phone call. It caused some you know, just some disillusionment for him. And he had some questions about what I wrote about because he wasn't interested in reading to reading the book prior to uh, publication. And that's been an offer. It's still an offer for him. Um, but he got really spiked and triggered by that. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised in any way, given that, yes, it was going to spike him. But given the conversation you and I have had ongoing as we we're writing the process, like we were in the writing process. Cause I know mm-hmm. that you, when you, you know, when you wrote your chapter, which is absolutely beautiful, I'm so mm, thank you. Message, but some of the unfolding that happened mm-hmm. in your inner circle, not just with yourself, but with your, you know, with people that are very important in your life. Yeah. And I was like, of course this is going to happen this morning. Cause I want to talk to Patrick. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you and I seem to like, I think you and I, I, I believe that you and I, had very similar experiences, not only through the writing process, but how it affected our inner circles and how we, how mm. you and I were both actually brought up to have to face some of the things that were still maybe a little unresolved mm. um, in the process. So it, it was just, it was a beautiful reminder um, that when we tell our stories, that we show up for our, and say like taking responsibility mm. for who we show up to be, it's going to continue this healing journey, not only for us mm. and for anyone who's touched by the journey mm. directly or indirectly. Yes. I couldn't which agree I more. Remember, which is why I wanted to have the book spearheaded in the first place. Right. Amazing. I couldn't agree more that um, when we show up and tell our stories and take full responsibility for everything that's happened. There's no blame. There's no shaming. There's no victim consciousness. This is where I have broken down, where I have failed, where I've failed to show up for myself, for my partner, for my family. And that admission has so much power in it. And I'm getting chills just saying that out loud because it's it's an opportunity. Once you make that admission to yourself and to the world that, okay, this is where I have um, not shown up fully, then there's an opportunity to make a change. And until, and it's, it goes for the same, the, the same for anything. So alcohol was a big part of my story. And until you're ready to admit that you have a problem with alcohol, you can't do anything about it. So it's the same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So, so, so powerful to, uh, I reread your story this morning and I was just so moved by it. And there are a lot of similarities between your, your path and mine. Um, and one of the things that struck me, and I'd love to hear more about the story, um, for the listeners, uh, of course, you can read it all about all about it in the book, which we'll share the link to in uh, later in the show. Um, 
But one of the things that really came up for me is how early in childhood this programming of not enoughness and looking externally for love and affection and all those things, how early it's programmed into us and why it makes it so difficult to, for us to overcome it in middle life. So one of the questions I, I wrote down, I wanted to ask you about what was your early childhood like? Were, did you feel loved? Did you feel accepted? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I've really had to spend a lot of time in this, right? Mm. Um, because my not enoughness has been around forever. Me too. <laughs> forever. Me too. And yeah. in fact, I will tell you that I'm still unwinding that. Um, Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about the medicine. I'm certain mm. we'll get around to that. Yeah. Um, so on the outside, if you were to look at my childhood, you know, my parents are still married. I, they've been married for 44 years and mm. by and large have a very functional, healthy relationship with, you know, with healthy attachment and having their own independence and interdependence on one another. Mm. However, and stability, right? My parents were, my, my you know, parents were well-employed and I have two younger siblings and we always had everything we needed. Plus, you know, everything we needed and wanted and desired was always accessible, mm. always. And my parents were fairly accessible to a point um, because they're humans having, they're, they're going through earth school just like we are. Um, what I have recognized is a few things. So some of the stories that came up early in childhood. One, when I was, this was told to me when I was older, but when I was first born, my parents kind of called me an ugly baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I don't think it was never intentional to be hurtful. Mm. Right. Um, when I was born, my cheeks were really, really, really puffy and I couldn't open my eyes and it took another maybe day or so before I could, actually before that puffiness went down that I could actually open my eyes. So I've actually revisited that point in my life um, through, through different types of journey and, and coaching work and reframed it and told and, and telling myself a new story that I am beautiful and I am beautiful. I was beautiful at birth, but that took a long time for me to actually acknowledge that. Like I went back to being in the womb and upon delivery and being in that space of, here I am, I'm this bright, shining light. And the moment that I smile, everyone else will smile back at me. Rather yeah. than me being cowering and fearful and sad and not accepted for who I am, I'm accepting myself and I'm going to shine my light and then the shot the light comes in return. So mm. that that's one. Um, another one that was very prominent is when I was a few years old, maybe two, yeah, about two, um, my parents frequently had... Um, postdoc students staying in our home. Um, my father worked in a corporation and he had regular postdocs coming through from other countries. And, and, you know, part of the story of my parents, they, they wanted to always have an international flair in our home and they had the space. So we had a number of young men and women passing through from other countries. Well, when I was about two, we had a woman staying in our third floor apartment in the house, in the home that we lived in. I don't remember her. I have no memory of her. Um, I do know that she showed up about the same time that my sister was born. So mm -hmm. here I was an only child. And all of a sudden now I have to compete for my parents, my mom's attention with my, my younger sister. And this, the, there's now this other woman 
in our home who put makeup on me and I'd walk around and say, I'm so pretty. Wow. And I was two, three years old. Right. So I don't truly don't have memories of this. Mm. What has come from that though, is I'm not enough. I'm not deserving of my mother's hundred percent affection and attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm being farmed out to this other person who can, mm-hmm. and I'm being put make, people are putting makeup on me and saying, I'm beautiful. I don't wear makeup as an awesome. adult. I mean, I'm wearing mascara for the camera right now, but generally I don't wear makeup and I've been in competition with my younger sister my entire life. Wow. It's really fun to dig into this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I think what's amazing about it is that I want to go back to the story, right? These are stories. This isn't the truth. These Mm. are stories that we believed to be true. Mm -hmm. And the more that we dive into this and the more that I dive into this, the more I can undo that and go back to the roots of it and say, well, that's just what happened. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and say and tell myself a new story and inter, interject a new dialogue and saying, I've always been worth it. Mm. I've always been worthy and deserving and enough and beautiful. And it doesn't matter what other people think, feel, say, or do mm. because I know who I am. Totally. Yeah. And I think what you just, you just touched on is the stories that we tell ourselves that we are programmed with through our entire lives. And we get to adulthood, we get to middle age, and those stories are still operating in the background and we've never really scrutinized them. We were just taught and conditioned and patterned when we were young because we are neuroplastic by design, human beings. Um, It makes us very adaptable evolutionarily. Um, but we are imprinted with the thoughts, beliefs, patterns of our guardians, whoever they might be. And we never stop to analyze whether those are true or serving our best interest. Um, And that's a lot of what this work is, is uncovering those unconscious and knowing that we have the intrinsic power to change them. Just like you mentioned, we have the power to reprogram ourselves, to to replace anything that is no longer serving us with something that is more empowering and more serving in our highest good. And that's that's the beauty of just this transformational work. It's available to everybody who's willing to do it. Yes. Right? And I'm glad that you said that. It is available to everybody, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. It becomes available when you're willing to show up for yourself. 100%. Out argument without excuse. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like we talked about this. I don't know if we were talking about this before we went on about the shame and blame yeah. component. And I'm sure I know that we did. It, you know, it's the getting receiving this call today from my former spouse. Um, I will tell you, like getting those calls and he comes right in and he's like hard on me. Right. Mm. He's like, what did you say? What did you, you know, what did you say about me? And that's a trigger for me still. It's still Mm. a PTSD. It's still a trauma trigger for me. Totally. Only now, you know, the more centered I become and more grounded I become within my being, I acknowledge that it's not mine. Yeah. Even more clearly, even if I'm like, depending, even it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm having a good day, good moment, bad moment in the middle of whatever, I, I went back to him and then said, you know, my response to him, rather than 
started yelling and screaming, which was my former auto response. Yeah. <laughs> do a lot of good. Um, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> um, I, I just calmly asked him, I said, where's this coming from? Yeah. And it shifts the whole dialogue because I knew, I knew enough to know that this was hitting something triggering and, and difficult for him. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it wasn't easy for me either because it was, I wanted to yell and scream and say some awful things. And, and really it was coming from a place of there's a sad, there's a child in there that still has a wound of his own. And this is just hitting it. And that's it. hundred percent. hundred percent. And that's such a valuable lesson to learn is when other people are angry or yelling or triggered, it is a reflection of what's going on internally for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not ours. And it's not our responsibility. We can hold space for them. We can be compassionate, but it's not our job to fix it or to take it on. It is a reflection of what the pain they're experiencing inside of themselves. Yeah. That is That was like a groundbreaking realization for me to have uh, because it gives you such autonomy and sovereignty. It's like, okay, I'm responsible for me and how I react. They're responsible for them, right? We can love each other. We can communicate, but standing in that power of full sovereignty, knowing that whatever they're projecting onto me is theirs. Wow. What a game changer, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I want to read this beautiful passage that you read, that you wrote and just ask you a question about it. You said from your, your chapter in the book, but even in my darkest, deepest points of bleakness, of grayness, listlessness, there was still a spark, something deep in my belly that kept saying, press forward, you will be okay. Wow, that really hit home for me. And that voice, how did you learn to listen to that voice? How did you learn to trust that voice? Because I think everybody hears that voice, but they, it's not, it's a whisper, right? And so all the other distractions, all the other stories um, overwhelm it. And so actually listening to it and trusting and taking action from it is massive. How did that work for you? I had to get really quiet. Right? Stillness, 100%. I had to get really quiet. Now, I want to framework some things around that, that time mm-hmm. in my life. And actually, that was really hard for me to hear that. To be honest, wow. like it's, I'm fighting some tears. Like my whole body yeah. went. Go let um, let them out. Don't fight them. Went, went fully um, numb for a moment. Um, mm. At that moment, during that time of my life, we had just moved from Pennsylvania to Colorado, and we'd been here a handful of months um, in Colorado in our new home. And I had walked away from my career. And my child was young and he was in daycare and my former, at the time I was still married actually when I had that realization, I believe. Yeah, I was. Um, My former spouse was back in Pennsylvania frequently to run our business. So I was alone a lot for the first time in my life. So the quiet was available to me as scary as it was. Ooh. I just knew that when I made that decision that I couldn't stay in the, in the space I was in any longer, I didn't know what life was going to look like. Mm. I had no idea. To, I, I still don't know. In fact, that's probably my, my go-to. Um, and I kept revisiting that step, that fire in my belly because I always knew there was something greater. 
that there's a greatness inside of me that is mm. screaming to get out mm. and still is. It still is, by the way. And it's not about the doing. The doing is part of it, right? Like I still, I go back to that place of the laundry list of the things I want to accomplish in my life and, and how I want to impact people and how I want to show up and who I want to be. There's still, that still exists. The knowing is that I am perfect, whole, and complete. Mm. And that belly, that little fire, that little ember, it's always been there. Mm. And to trust it. I don't know who's going to show up in my world. I know this. There is no Prince Charming that's going to come rescue me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, part of my quiet and part of my stillness. I was turning my phone off for days on end, especially after the divorce. Um, during the days that my son was with his father, it, it started to consume me that no one was there for me, right? Mm. That I wasn't receiving phone calls. I wasn't receiving text messages. And that's not entirely true, by the way. Like I was, you know, I had my family and I had friends that cared about me. I was in a place though that I was, I had to, recognize the only person that was going to do this work for me was going to be me. Mm. And that's why I shut my phone off for days on end. And I just connect with nature. I didn't know what that was back then. This is the beginning of my awakening. I had no idea (laughs) what I signed myself up for. And what I recognized is the more that I leaned into that, the better I felt there was no outside noise. There was, I didn't care. I really didn't care that there are parties going all around, all around me. Yes. I was like, I'd like to be a part of it, but right now it's all about me feeling good with me. Mm-hmm. And the more that I, I just planted my foot in that again and again and again and again, I started feeling stronger from within. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And I was having more fun mm. in my life. I was having more fun in time in present time with my child. And it kept growing and growing and growing. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it started with a moment and it add another moment and layer another moment and another mm. moment and another moment and another moment. It takes one moment to shift. Yep. It takes practice to be in that space. Mm. Wow. And it's so, so powerful. Another way you describe it um, in your chapter is moving from self-loathing to a self-loving perspective, moving from external love to internal love. And that, like I said earlier about, we're programmed to look externally for everything, you know, because when we are infants, we are completely dependent on our guardians for everything, for survival, for information. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly looking outside of ourselves and we we discover that some of our behaviors are not acceptable. Some of our expressions are not acceptable. And so we close those parts of ourselves off. And so as we grow, we're constantly looking to our guardians or our authority or figures, is this okay? You know, am I worthy of love? Can I do this thing? It's right. And so of, that, all right, I'm going to drop the first F bomb. It's not kind of fucked up. It's totally fucked up. Because yeah. Because when we arrive, 
our soul, when our souls arrive in this infant form, we already have all of our knowing. Yeah, we're perfect. We're perfect, whole, and complete. Yeah. And then we look outside of ourselves for answers, for acceptance, for love, yeah. for behavior. Yet we already know it. Yeah. It's, it's a really fucked up earth school. <laughs> it is a fucked up earth school. But if you can shift the, the mindset and think of it that way, this is what we're here to do is to remember who we are at the deepest and highest level, right? And that's what our work is. And so I applaud everybody who has the courage to do this work because it is painful. It is uncomfortable. Another thing you mentioned in your, in your book is going into those dark cavernous parts of our souls. And with, you know, and this is a lot of things I take my clients through is that visualization. It's not because it's so painful and scary. We don't want to go there. But if you can shift the perspective and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to put on my headlamp. I'm going to march in there and whatever I find, I'm going to treat with compassion and love and curiosity because it's all part of me. Yes. Right. And if you sort of shift and then it becomes exciting, like I'm getting chills again. It's like, oh, look at this shit in the corner that I was so scared of. It's, you know, it's nothing. Fabrication. (laughs) It's a fabrication. It's a story. Right. <laughs> fabrication. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, one of the visualizations I work, was working on quite a bit around in the last couple of months, actually with, with my coach, um, mm. who is also a fellow author in the book, Kevin Lockwood. Um, and, and, you know, this was, it was my journey and he's there just holding space for me. I went into the cave. I've never been, I've, you know, past work I've done. I've never been in a cave before, but this year, mm. Last year, 2020, I wasn't, I was walking, I was introduced to a cave. I was on a beach and was introduced to this cave. It was myself and there was like a couple of people, I, people I didn't recognize, but there were other entities with me. Mm. And I go deeper and deeper and deeper into this cavern. And I get to the cavern and there's a dragon, Ooh. a massive dragon. Now, mind you, I'm a fire sign. So there's, there's a lot of that fire in the belly um, has a lot of symbolism for me. Okay. All story, but it's all symbolism for me. Yeah. I've never up until this point had any relationship with dragon. I didn't, I don't know why dragon would show up. Here's this dragon showing up mm. and this dragon, she is she, and I knew it was a female massive. Wow. And she doesn't, she's not disturbed by the fact that I'm in this space with her and these other entities are with her. And she, she acknowledges me and I acknowledge her and she's just peaceful in this space. And as the, you know, as the visualization trans, you know, transmutes, eventually she comes out of the cave and onto this beach and is flapping her wings majestically and powerfully Ooh. and peacefully Ooh. and being loved upon and adored upon for showing up in her power. And her beauty. And I was like, oh, crap. This is huge. You know, and this is also me being called up, right? It's me. It's all of it's me. It's like I was hiding in a cave. I was hiding in a cave of my own fear of not Mm. being accepted for who I am. Totally. And I brought myself out and said, no, this is who I am. Mm. And either I'll be loved or hated. And I'm going to show off this. I'm going to show off this this powerful strength in this very beautiful way, mm. whatever way I look, in whatever way mm. I choose to show up. 
this is this is me. So powerful. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And that again resonates so deeply with my journey as well. I hid in the shadows for most of my life, too afraid to really expose myself for fear of scrutiny and ridicule and non-acceptance, like all the things that we in our minds make up that, you know, if I show my real self, will I be worthy of love? Will I be worthy of, you know, affection? Will I be accepted? And that is terrifying. And that's why most people don't do it. Yeah. One thing I've learned though, and, and this is a big part of my mantra for this year is that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Like I'm so sensitive, loving, and compassionate. I just want everybody around me to be good and to be taken care of. And so I would, you know, go out of my way to make sure that was the case at a detriment to myself. And I've learned that's not the way to do it. But that also meant um, I'm not here to serve everybody. I'm not here to please everybody. And like you just mentioned, there will be lovers and haters when we expose our true selves. Mm -hmm. But the more I can step into my power and into my truth and into my sovereignty and express myself fully, I will resonate with certain people and certain people I won't resonate with. And that's okay. I don't need to be accepted and loved by everybody. And that was another massive realization. In fact, I'm more powerful and can be more effective when I stand in my power and I'm polarizing. I alienate some people because the people that do resonate with me are going to resonate deeply and get great results. And that's the power I'm stepping into as a leader and a coach this year. So, And your journey and your inspiration has really helped me realize that. So thank you, Jocelyn. I'm so touched by that. My again, I'm going like I'm going all goosebumps around that. <laughs> and we talked, you know, we were talking about this too, Oscar, before we went live. Like, you know, you you just you just published some new music. I did on your soul, and it wasn't yes. about selling a record or selling it. It was about you expressing mm. yourself in your totally. own power and how incredibly beautiful and and enlivening it like you're then a conduit you switch you shift from mm. i'm going from this to go towards this thing mm. to i am sharing myself wholly and fully and being a conduit to give and receive love because that's really what this is about totally. it's about just being in that fluidity and yes say things that are are true to you right mm. i just had to i i actually had this conversation via text last night, in fact, um, because I've chosen to go down a path that is polarizing right now. Mm. In fact, this is going to be a part of book two. Awesome. <laughs> Actually, I'll be writing about this in book two um, of everything that's unfolding from this. Uh, and I, and so I'm choosing this specific path for my healing. Mm. And what that's doing is I've said, I'm choosing to do this work with this person and there are people in my circle that are saying, I can't be in this. I can't, not only can I not be in the space with this person, I don't want to have any energetic ties with anyone that has any ties to this person. It's like mm. Voldemort, right? You can't, wow. see, that, that who shall can't be named, right? And I, I, you know, I said, I responded to this person and said, look, I'm still continuing my work. And if that means that you and I, like that you can't be in that space, I love and honor where you are. And I'm continuing with my work. Mm. Now, this also hit a touch point for me too, because in my marriage, there was somebody that I had, I had had a friend 
um, that I was friends with for many years, who he and I explored dating for like a hot minute and recognized very quickly that dating was not our thing. <laughs> I love, and to, to this day, I love this man dearly. Um, but my former spouse, because given the history, he had a story around that. So you can't be friends with this person anymore. And you know what? I gave up that friendship and compromise to my marriage and compromise to be loved. And I swore to myself, I'm never doing that again, wow. ever. So here I was at the precipice of this opportunity once again. And this time I chose differently. And it wasn't about the other people. It has nothing to do with these other people. It has a hundred percent to do with me. Mm. And if that is upsetting, yes. Am I sad? Do I have sadness around this? Absolutely. Cause I love both these people. I love them yep. both dearly. And that's just where she is right now. That's just where that person is right now. And perhaps in time that will shift. I'm hopeful mm. and I'm open to it. And that's just what it is. But I'm not going to say, no, I'm going to cower to you because you have this, this thing. That's your thing, yeah. not mine. I love you. And we will talk again. Hey, are you feeling lost, anxious, frustrated by the state of the world? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Maybe you're even distracting yourself from the pain with things like alcohol, social media, Netflix, gambling, shopping. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls just like you in taking back creative control of your life, finding a deeper sense of purpose, and building a solid foundation of certainty even in such uncertain times. This is exactly why I have created the Fuck Yes Club, a six-week online journey for badasses who are ready to supercharge their powers of manifestation as the conscious creators of their own reality. This program is for people who are tired of living in uncertainty and fear, sick of living up to somebody else's standards, fed up with not fulfilling their highest potential, this is for the people who are ready to tap into their infinite well of creative power and start creating the life they have always wanted. We are in the midst of a massive transition. Great change is upon us and we're being called to grow and evolve in ways that we may have been avoiding. Is it your time? Are you ready? There are only two answers here, people. No and fuck yes. If you are in the fuck yes category, then immediately go to www.thefuckyesclub.com right now for more information and to secure your spot. Now, back to the show. Yeah, a big part of your story um, is around your marriage and how you've shown up in romantic relationships. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about that, specifically, you know, what are some signs if somebody is in a relationship or has been in a pattern of relationships where they're feeling like something is off, like something is toxic and they're not sure what it is or how to take steps specifically around dependency and codependency. Maybe you can just sort of break down what those are and how they manifest in your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And cause it's happening again, right? <laughs> Continuously unfolding. Because I believe my opening statement in book one was I'm a codependent, which by the yeah. way was terrifying to write. Yeah. Terrifying. And I remember when I started writing, like that was the first, literally that honest to goodness was the first thing I wrote. So I didn't write the full chapter, like the whole thing, the full chapter in sequence. 
kept coming mm. back to it. That literally was the first thing I wrote. Awesome. And I remember writing it and I was like, I'm going to leave it here because I needed to like get that out of my system so that I could be free mm. to be fully expressing what I needed to express in this route. Right. And I was like, I'll come back and I'll probably take it out. And I kept going back to it, kept going back to it. And I was like, no, I have to own it. Totally. It's part of me. And I'm yeah. going to announce it to the entire fucking world. This will be fun. <laughs> right? This will be fun. This is a great magnet for, for a loving relationship. Yeah. And so to get to your question, though, um, a few things. And this is how I operate through it. Now, for me, spoken word and written word are very powerful. Not that it's not for, for everybody. It is for me. So there is somebody in my life right now. And this person is, um, there's actually a couple people. And there's two right now that I'm, that I'm in, having interludes with in the dating sense. And with both of them, when I start to find myself leaning too much into their stories, I literally send a message and say, I am stepping back. I cannot be in this dialogue right now. I love you. I honor where you are. I'm getting lost in your life. I'm getting lost in your story. So literally speaking the words to it and pulling back. And it's not, and it's, I'm not saying that, look, I'm not available, but I may not be available for you for the next 24 hours, 48 hours, three days. Or just an hour, or let's just—I don't—I can't have this conversation right now. Mm. And just honoring that and leaving it for what it is. So for me, I use my voice either via again via writing or via voice. Um, I also recognized this one was really hard, and I'm grateful that I did it because it, it was very releasing for me. The previous relationship that I was in—I was in a relationship for about a year after my marriage ended and um, I still was, there was still a piece of me that was still missing this person and not missing the, yes, missing the person, missing the, and missing how how the energy that he showed up in my life Mm. and the time we spent and experiences we had. And then the time that I've in this last year of, work and reflection of, oh my God, how I showed up, how some of my patterns showed up again in that relationship and how I just wasn't, I I became, I went from being present and being fully embodied to stepping out of myself and stepping into his world to the point that he actually was like, you're too much in my world. He Mm -hmm. loved his words, but something to that extent, which is ultimately why we ended, we ended. So here I am over a year later and I've been holding on to shame for a year that still felt unresolved with this person. Mm. So I wrote this person an email on January 1st and I was like, look, I still miss you. And I didn't want to tell you this because I'm embarrassed and I have shame around it because I feel like I'm crazy because it's been a year. And then I went on and owned more of how I showed up. 
And I had to release that. Mm. Because the longer that I hold on, I didn't want to, I mean, I knew it. The, the track was running in my background, but I didn't actually speak those words to this other person. Mm. And yes, I had known it. And my friends had known it. And people were kind of getting tired of hearing about it. I get it. Because it's not theirs. Yeah. I actually had to go back to the source. Say this this other person and whether this person responds or not, that's up to them. I had to resolve that for me. And we can do it in so many ways, right? There are, you know, people can write letters and burn them. I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. I've had letters written, like thrown in portals. I mean, I, you know, I've had people do that for me and, and all this wonderful stuff. And for me, I actually have to have that communication, that direct communication with this other person. As embarrassing as it might be, as shameful as it might be, and all these crap that we put on ourselves, I punished myself for a year over owning this. I punished myself for a year about a narrative that I believe that he believed about me, but I actually don't have any idea. So I had to drop all of that and come back to center. Who am I? I am loving awareness and everything else either comes in or falls away. Wow. Such power in the ownership you take for your, you, how you show up and taking responsibility for it and such powerful learning, but it does take uh, a profound sense of self-awareness and being able to come back to that center and to be, um, aware of how you're showing up. So how do you, you know, you talked about writing, um, and speaking as a couple of ways, what are some of the other practices and techniques you use to stay grounded or to come back to center or to speak your truth? Because I think for people who might be, you know, in relationships where they don't feel safe in communicating, you know, how do they begin to become centered enough to feel the power that they can speak their truth? Yeah. So if they're in a relationship and they don't feel that they have a voice, that they can use their voice in a way or writing in a way mm. to really fully express themselves, maybe to their partner, what they can, you always have a power to do. Always, always, always have a power to do is say, I need my space. Yeah. Don't owe that person an explanation as to why. Mm. You never have, you never have. So even like if you're acknowledging for yourself, I'm not comfortable in this situation. I'm not comfortable in this conversation or there's something that's just not feel that's feeling off for me. Say that, Mm. you know, you say, look, I need an hour to myself. I need, I need to not be in communication with you right now. Mm. Period. So that's one that I start. That's where I started before I really found my voice. And I'm still finding my voice, by the way, this is not mm-hmm. like I have it all the answers. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I have less answers than I do have answers. <laughs> to be honest. Um, meditation has been huge, huge for me. Um, so like asking for that space and then taking and then capitalizing on that space and sitting in quiet. Now, whether it's, whether it's a guided meditation or music meditation for me specifically, I like silence because 
I get very easily squirreled. I'm like a dog, <laughs> like you know, and there's something else. I'm going to go down that line. Oh, I'll do this. I'll go do that. And it's very easy for me to do that. So for me, five to 20 minutes mm. of sitting in silence and really, and this is a practice, really concentrating on softening the voices and really dropping into my body. Mm. And the more it's a practice, just like anything else, the more that I do it, the more that you do it, the more that you, you sit in that space, you will find yourself more relaxed. You will find yourself more embodied. Um, take walks. Nature is huge, mm. huge help. Um, and that is one space I will actually listen to audiobooks or music because um, that makes me feel like I like that gets me going. And it's just being in the nature, just being in nature. Now I'm very fortunate living where I live in Colorado that we have access to um, drive access to the Rocky mountains. And we have these amazing things called 14ers. And for, is this going to be a video as well? Are you releasing this yeah. video and audio? Okay. So and anyone, if anyone can see in the video, you can see over my shoulder, um, this picture of me at, at a, on a mountain. So that is actually Beerstadt mountain, which is a 14 the easiest 14 by the way, in my opinion, in Colorado, what 14 are, are mountain peaks that are 14,000 feet and above. Um, and there's a 52 or 53 arguably in the state. And you can, I start to go on them and do those solo, which is, which means anywhere from six to 12 hours of hiking up a mountain, awesome. back down in silence. Mm. So silence, med- silent meditation by being and being connected with nature. Amazing. So I have those, but to get to your question, to back to your question though, like asking just again, I need this time. And Mm. if it means that your partner cannot like respect that and has to be in your space, then you get in the car and go Mm. or drive, go find somewhere else to be by yourself. Go take a long shower, take a bath. Being in water is really helpful. I even do this with my six-year-old son. I do. When he's here and I don't have him part-time, if I'm in a place, I'm like, I can't right now. Mom is going up to her room for 20 minutes. And he understands that mommy needs 20 minutes to herself. Awesome. So it's, it's really holding firm to your boundaries. Like if you say something, stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned stillness or in meditation <clears throat> as a great way to recenter. And I, I couldn't agree more. Meditation has been a, such a powerful tool for me that uh, I continue to use every day um, as a vehicle to come back to center and to become aware of our stories that we talked about earlier that are, you know, blasting in our awareness and then to let those go. And what, what comes out is that whisper we were talking about earlier that, that voice of your higher self that is only a whisper that you need to be still in order to hear and to heed and to learn from its wisdom and to um, operate from that wisdom, that centered space. So such a powerful thing, meditation, because it, it allows us to know ourselves absent of any external influence or distraction or input, right? And so that's that's why it's so important and to continue coming back to that space. And like you said, it's a practice and the more we practice it, 
in uh, the you know on the mat or the cushion or wherever you're doing it the more we can um use its benefits out in the real world so to speak when we are triggered or we're in a stressful situation we know how to come back to that center because we've practiced doing it and that's so important to know yourself in that way we spoke again about um earlier before we pressed record about another way to know yourself which is experimenting with plant medicine so i'd love to ask you about that because that's been a big part of my journey as well and i highly recommend for anybody who has an opportunity to use plant medicine or psychedelics in a ceremonial way because I used them in non-ceremonial ways many, many times in my childhood, which was awesome as well, very expanding. But when you set an intention and use them ceremonially, they can be absolutely life-changing. So I'd love to know more about what your experience has been. Yeah. And so, yes, to preface this, uh, plant medicine has been a relatively new phenomenon for me. Yes. Have I known about it for years Yes, I have. Have I ever thought I'd experiment or play in that space? No. I also <laughs> never thought I'd write a book. <laughs> I also never thought I'd have a TV show or a podcast. Or get divorced. Or get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or be a parent. Like, you know, when, when you all have like a, a crystal, like a crystal ball of what the future holds, please yeah. share. Actually, yeah. don't, because that takes away the fun surprise of what life can be. Um, so, yes. Earlier this year, I had several callings to medicine, and it showed up in in many different avenues to which I didn't expect coming. And I'm Mm. fortunate enough that I have a friend who I knew that I could go to and ask, just be curious about. Do you, you know, how does this, what does this look like? What is this going to be? And gave a fair few answers because that's part of medicine, right? medicine is there with the answers medicine is there to help you to get to your answers right totally um and so it was actually at the precipice of the book coming into its final manuscript it was right about that time where my ego was running everything was running my Mm. show to Mm. me being on a trail with a friend who's sharing some amazing things that are happening in her world and i'm crushed to the floor on my knees sobbing like literally couldn't walk dropped to my knees and started sobbing on a on a trail it was pretty awful to say okay something's got to give yeah and uh and here i found myself with my first experience in medicine very soon very soon after very very soon after actually days days later was my first experience with it and um i didn't have expectation Mm. That's not true entirely. My expectation was that I wanted to feel better than I was feeling in that moment. Mm. I knew cognitively my ego was running the show. I could not reach my heart. My throat was so tight. I was not dropping into my being. Mm. Um, I've since had a few experiences with medicine and the first experience, the first, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to point that out too. Showing up for medicine for me was not about getting high. Mm. It was really coming back to center. Totally. Yeah, not, it's not a recreational experience. Although it can be fun, it's, you're not doing it for recreation. And, yes, and I'm not, and you know, for those out there that that's what they want to do and it's for recreation and they, they're like looking to like go play and whatever, that's, mm. that's available to them. Mm. You know, that's not a judgment. For me, that's not what it was going to be about. 
for right. me, it was really coming back to my center and to yeah. my love of self, back to my soul. Yeah. And the first experience, the first long experience um, that I had was chaotic, to say the least. Are, are we talking about psilocybin? Psilocybin. Right. Yeah. Chaotic. Chaotic. I, yeah, it was the, the first experience was touching, you know, I was told going in, I'd be touching the light in the dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that meant. (laughs) I do now. And, and then I was like, Oh, this is what it means. (laughs) No. And for, and everyone, it shows up differently for everyone. For me, the dark was reconciling the darker parts of myself and loving those pieces, you know, those components of myself, the pieces around the shame of holding on to this person for so long mm. that I wasn't releasing, and and it was a shame around the, it was a shame around holding on to that those feelings, not the person themselves. It was a shame right. I had around it. Um, that I was like, why am I still here? Right. Um, it showed up though in forms of I was in Salem and like a witch in Salem and the ground was swallowed, like pulling me under, like literally had hands pulling me under and trying to make me one with the ground. Wow. And pulling me into the depths of the darkness. And that actually was not nearly as scary as a later, ver- a later part in the ceremony where I was, um, I envisioned myself at the Mad Hatter's tea party. Ooh. That was terrifying. <laughs> that was me literally pulling went wanting to pull myself out of medicine they couldn't because i was so deeply in it and i really didn't know what was real what wasn't mm. i really believed that i got stuck in the darkness and the craziness of my being wow obviously i wasn't because here i am telling the story today right. um those were some really scary moments very terrifying dark pieces of me there i was a hunter for a long period of time throughout the journey in fact i think i revisited that hunter period for many periods throughout where i actually felt like i had blood dripping from my mouth that i was i was hunting my prey right and then there were moments of pure beauty and bliss of the universe opening within me Mm. and opening above and around me Wow. And it was and it was all this mixture in between. Had a very strong tie to uh, my my family name, to the Bellows family name. Mm. You know, I don't you know, my father uh, my father kept showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up and I kept getting this very strong sense of that was a core of me and mm. my soul for generations. So Either my father and I have been together for many generations, or I've just been part of this family line for many, many, many soul journeys here. I had a second long experience with psilocybin, which was so much more beautiful because I the first one was really breaking through and breaking through all the darkness and breaking through all of the shame and the guilt and the anger and the angst and all the things I didn't want to accept and love about myself. And the second one, I was dancing in multi-dimensions. But Ooh, I knew it. Yes. Love and it. I knew it. And I knew, like, I felt my body. And I was still, through almost the entire journey experience, and physicality, I was very still for hours at a time, not moving, or so I was told. I, very, I vaguely remember it. Um, but I was in a lot of stillness. 
in the actual physicality of the realm. And my soul was dancing all over, all wow. over multi-dimensions. And I knew that I was doing somersaults and twists and, and beautiful, just beautiful dancing, beautiful mm. memory of doing somersaults and twirling and like, you know, the, you know, the, um, Oh, I hear what it's called sky dancing when you have, uh, that's not what it's called, but like when, when women, mostly women do this, um, they have like the fabric that they can dance. Oh yeah. Fabric. What's that called? Um, well, aerial, aerial yoke. That's it. (laughs) Aerial (laughs) movement. I felt like I was doing aerial movements without the, without the, the cloth. Right. Is what it Amazing. And just being so delightful and pleased and open. And it just really continued to support who I truly am, who we all truly are. For me, this was my own journey, right? It was a solo journey. Um, I was not in a room with other people. It was just me. And then the the person that facilitates for physical safety. (laughs) That's about the the extent of that person. Um, Right. And a lot more, but in the physicality sense is, okay, you're safe and like, don't, don't fall off the space. Don't knock any candles over that kind of stuff. Um, Just returning to me and Mm. removing all of the muck that I've been carrying of others for so long. Totally. Wow. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Yeah. um, You know, everyone will be on their own journey. If medicine calls you and you're scared, it's okay. It's okay to be scared because we don't know. You don't know. Your journey will look different than mine. They all do. Look now that it's available yes. to you if you choose it. Yes. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, again, I resonate deeply with it and have a lot of similarities in my experiences. Um, primarily plant medicine for me is it's, it's an, a tool to open ourselves to our truest essence. And that means looking at your darkest parts and looking at your lightest parts and being okay with what you find there again, but also um, a connection to a higher consciousness, to something that goes beyond this three-dimensional reality and to really feel that we are multi-dimensional, infinite beings having this one human 3D experience that is a perspective that you carry with you and infuses all of your life afterwards. Like, wow, what a powerful connection. But it, and it's also you know, an invitation now with that newfound perspective and newfound truth to now take action in the 3D to heal yourself and to, you know, more deeply embody your life purpose or whatever it might be. And um, that's where a lot of people get tripped up is the integration back into this 3D reality, mm-hmm. uh, which is so important. So yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm that. so glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. um, you know, there are so many op- you know, opportunities out there to experience yeah medicine, whether it be peyote or uh, cambo or psilocybin or LSD or, you know, you know, 5-NEO and I'm sure that when, and, um, ayahuasca, but you know, journeys occur in so many different ways and so many ceremonies that can happen in so many different yeah. fashions. The piece that is, I agree with you wholeheartedly, the, the reintegration into being and mm. this 3d world it's totally. so incredibly important so anyone that's yeah. going through this that decides to go through this be gentle with yourself in reintegration 
you know, if you, if you have someone who can be an accountability partner with you to hold space for you mm-hmm. and, and accountability in the way of not trying to interject and intercede with how you may integrate just to be there to hold space and, mm-hmm. and hold you accountable to you, mm-hmm. right? That someone doesn't have their own premeditated concept of what you're supposed to be doing, but someone that, that can be there to just be there to hold you mm-hmm. for you. It's beautiful. It's so important. And if you don't have that, then keep your path clear for people that can. <laughs> Jocelyn Bellows, what an honor and a pleasure to drop in with you today. This has been so awesome. I really appreciate your time and sharing your magic and your wisdom. Let's talk about uh, what you're up to now. The yeah. book has been launched, Breakdown to Wake Up. You mentioned a TV show and another book. What else? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, we'll start with the TV show because that just went live in January. Um, wow. So taking this same concept of the breakdown to wake up and what we talked about in the book, and we'll just do a quick overview of book one. So book one, 16 authors, yourself, me, and 14 other incredible beings from around the world came together, and we all shared very personal journeys of, our, uh, of breakdowns that have happened throughout our lives and how we discovered ourselves in that um, and recognizing that, and the reason that this was so important for me to, to bring that forward and call and why people showed up for it is where I believe mm. is that we all learned so much about ourselves to that journey. And by sharing our stories, it gives other people permission to do exactly the same. Totally. Right. Because we sit in this place of like, when we're in darkness, we don't want to talk about our own darkness. We don't want to acknowledge it. We don't want to talk about it. We feel so alone. And that's a bunch of, BS. I'm not <laughs> saying that you don't feel that way. Cause shoot, I have, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell well. you, I do not have my stuff together. People. I don't, I'm learning every day and it's amazing. And having said that, what I have learned is every time I show up, every time I show up and share my story, someone else gets to do the same. Totally. Whether they see it themselves in it or they don't, they're, they, whether they speak it aloud or they just get a little bit like, oh, I felt that way. Or, oh my gosh, I'm in it and I'm so scared and I'm so proud of you for getting up there. That's what I'm doing. That's it. There's no magic to this. Well, there is magic. The magic is I get to show up for me so other people can show up for themselves. Yes. Taking that same idea and not acknowledging that breakdowns occur in so many avenues and facets of our lives. It doesn't have to necessarily be at a, around a relationship. It can be about a job. It can be like, about your self-identity. At the end of the day, it's always about self-identity. It's like, I thought I was this person because someone told me I was this person for my entire life. And, oh my God, I'm not this person. And it could be through your job. It could be through finances. It could be through, um, you know, friendships. It could be through romantic relationships. It can be through anything. And it's not concrete to a man or a woman. It is not concrete to a, um, a race or a, a race or religion or um, socioeconomic status because we all have them mm. and knowing this and understanding this i was like wait a minute there are so many more people that can learn to love themselves through this avenue so i birthed the tv show because there are so many people out there who want to share their stories and yes. i wanted to create a platform where people could and so that other people could connect to those stories. So the whole concept of the, the, the show, the breakdown to wake up 
is I'm inviting people to come on board, come talk about their own journeys of self-discovery. And it's about that. It's not about plugging your business. Yes, we can, at the end of the show, everyone has an opportunity to, here's how you, you know, you can reach out and connect. But because we connect with each other, we connect with people, our own healers, by connecting to their own, their stories. But they get me. You get me. You've been there. It's not about like you have this magic pill and it's all better. You've been through the the garbage too and look where you're surviving. Mm -hmm. So sharing that so that other people can continue to heal their own traumas. That was it. So the show, um, January is once a week. Starting in February, we're going to bump to twice a week. And once a month, I'm also going to be doing a larger segment, um, either one to two hours, depending on the month, where I'm inviting a larger platform, a panel of people to come on board and have a very in-depth discussion, not only about their own journeys, but sharing tools and tips and techniques on how we move through breakdowns in self-discovery mm. and the lessons that we get to receive as a result of that. So that's the, that's the TV show and book two going on. The, and I title it's still titleless. So one day there will be this aha moment. I know I will have it because I'm just not worried about it. Um, taking the same journey of breakdown to wake up, however, we're, we're advancing to community breakdowns mm. because all of us are in communities. Wow! All, each and every one is whether it's a family community or it's you know your job. Um, I have a woman. Or actually, I have a, a young man. I'm really excited about some of these guys that are coming on board. A young man who is uh, he just left for the firefighting profession. He'd been a firefighter his entire career. He's, he's also in his 30s, so he's still young. Um, <laughs> but had been a volunteer firefighter through his teenage years up into through his 20s and continued to recognize um, the dysfunction that was happening with a lot of these men. Um, in fact, firefighters have a very high suicide rate because mm. they don't talk about their emotions. They don't talk about what's going on inside. And they see some pretty traumatic things or experience some sure. very high trauma yep. within their profession. And he started coaching them on the side and just decided this year to fully let go of the firefighting piece to coach firefighters and how to tap into their own deep wisdom and beauty and light within and helping them to heal. Wow. So So the community, the breakdowns of community and who do you show up to be Mm -hmm. a result of um, an oath that maybe you took to something larger than yourself. Mm. Wow. Too. And that, that'll, it's still a few months away. We're um, targeting May or June to have that, that book on the shelves. Um, and then book three, which is also right. I mean, that is way in concept. We're going to take that same, we're going to go on the same thread and advance it to societal breakdowns. Cause Lord knows we've had some major societal breakdowns going on in this mm. last year amidst Corona. And it's not the first time, right? We've had yeah. it in world wars um, for us in modern day, 9-11s are really, you know, was a profound moment, I know, for most of us in the U.S. and Western culture. Um, so we've had societal breakdowns. And again, who did we show up to be in the moments of where everything around us was collapsing? Wow. What incredibly um, powerful work you're doing, Jocelyn. And I just want to honor you and say thank you for showing up the way you are and 
being a light, a beacon, a role model in this world. Um, we need you and you sharing your magic and your light at the highest level. So thank you for taking that on and being such an inspiration. Uh, last question. If you were to take all of your experiences and all the knowledge and wisdom you've gained and distill them down into one message, one sentence, what would it be? Love and honor yourself first. Mm. That's it right there. Wow. Thank you so much. I will share all of these links, uh, of course, in the show notes. Um, but if you want to just share where people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Best way to, to reach me always, always, always is on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook at jocelyn.bellows24. That's where I operate everything. Um, yeah. DM me there. Message me on, on my public fo- in my public forum. Love to hear from you. Um, always happy. Always happy to engage conversation. Um, what are you up to in the world? Because so many of us are participating in beautiful, beautiful events. And I want to continue that message. Yes. Awesome. Jocelyn Bellows, thank you so much once again. Thank you, Patrick. So appreciate this time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember... Live your being.